they were three ordinary women on what seemed like a simple mission to find a film they liked. One where women got something to do and not just look pretty or be murdered. Which, to be totally honest, has complicated matters a bit. Welcome to Flicking. Yes, it sounds a bit rude. That's the joke. Welcome to January's edition of Flicking. Welcome to 2023, Birds. Oh, yeah. I mean... Hello. Is it too late to be welcoming to, to people? No, apparently not. I've still not warmed up. Yeah. We're mid-January. <laughs> yeah, we're in January. <laughs> Those voices you heard were Nicky Noonan, obviously. Hello, Nick. Hello. And Yosa Osman. Hello. Hello, Lizzie. Hi. Mickey, you made the choice this week of the film that's one of your favourites that we are going to tear apart ruthlessly like a pack of dogs. Um, oh, no. We probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> we probably won't. Can you tell us what you picked? Tear apart ruthlessly like a pack of rival newsreaders. Yep, it is that's ridiculous. Better. It's sublime. This time I delved into not just my DVD collection, but the Will Ferrell section of my DVD collection, a place our Hannah would not be fussed about visiting, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later. But I picked Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Pure, silly, quotable, hilarious joy in film form. And because I'm me chock full of wangs. While I can see how he's not for everyone, I do love me a bit of Will Ferrell, and it comes from two places. The hallowed More Cowbell sketch from Saturday Night Live in 2000, and this, his 2004 collaboration with Adam McKay, Anchorman. Both are perfect outlets for his over-the-top, over-the-topness. Because yeah, this film is about as subtle as the smell of Bigfoot's dick. It is relentless in its quest for laughs and silliness in a way that's reminiscent of Zucker Abrahams and Zucker's airplane and the naked gun. 60% of the time, it works every time. And yes, I am quoting Anchorman because it is a veritable feast of brilliant lines. It also has a top-notch comedy cast. Ferrell is Ron Burgundy, Anchorman and leader of the Channel 4 news team, which comprises lead field reporter Brian Fontana, played by Paul Rudd, Sports correspondent Champ Kind, played by David Kochner, and everybody's favourite, and yes, I will fight you if you disagree with me, weatherman Brick Tamland, a show-stealing Steve Carell. Fun fact, right? James Spader was considered for the role of Brick. Uh, no thank you. Would have been what? a very different film. Uh-huh. With a feather cut? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> like when he came in to replace Steve Carell as um, the boss in the office and season eight yeah where it yeah, just wasn't quite the right fit sorry that's just me thinking about tv i wonder why fun. james spader and steve carell it's like to me they're in a very different space to be a crossover in any sort of venn diagram agreed weird anyway a further tip of my hat to the late great fred willard as station director ed harkin and vince vaughn tim robbins luke wilson and ben stiller as various channel 4 news team rivals i told you it was a wang fest However, more than holding her own is Christina Applegate as Veronica Corningstone, the station's attempt to embrace diversity and an upset to the team's apple cart because not only are we firmly in the sexist 1970s where it's anchor man, not anchor lady, but Ron's got a hard on in his heart as well as his pants for the new arrival. I am far from being alone in loving Anchorman as much as Ron loves his dog Baxter. The film made 28.4 million in its opening weekend, 
and 90.6 million worldwide in its total theatrical run. It's now widely regarded as one of the best comedy films of the 2000s. It was ranked number six on Time Out's top 100 comedy films of all time and 113 on Empire's 500 greatest movies of all time. I've seen it about 100 times. I'm not even shitting you. In the same way, Eddie Izzard's Dress to Kill was my go-to cheer-the-fuck-up watch in the 1990s. Anchorman has made me laugh when all I've wanted to do is cry more times than I can count. Contemporary critics were mostly sort of positive, but having read a lot of them before this chat, there's a real snobbishness about how much Anchorman wears its silliness on its polyester suit sleeve. A lot of, I laughed more than I wanted to type comments. Just just admit you found it funny and you're like silly. Bit weird. The plot is pretty simple, and yes, I would allow the word flimsy there instead. The news ratings war is raging in 1970s San Diego with the chauvinistic, deluded and ridiculous Channel 4 news team headed by chauvinistic, deluded and ridiculous anchorman Ron Burgundy in the top spot. Enter Veronica Corningstone, a shit-hot reporter who dreams of being an anchor but is also, gasp, how dare she, a woman. To add insult to injured male egos, Ron immediately falls in love with Veronica, abandoning his pals but not his notion that women can't do his job. Alas for Ron, a two-filling burrito leads to a run-in with a motorcyclist who takes revenge for his bike being damaged by punting Ron's beloved, and importantly, very clever, dog Baxter off a bridge. Distraught, Ron misses the news, allowing Veronica to step in and save the day, and she is promptly promoted to co-anchor. Instead of being pleased for his girlfriend, Ron sets about trying to sabotage her. Unluckily for Ron, another woman working at the station, I know, another woman, potentially the only other woman in the film really, lets Veronica in on the fact that Ron will read anything, absolutely anything, written on the teleprompter. So she fucks him over, he gets fired, descends into despair, but a panda about to give birth, a set to with some bears and a timely reappearance by Baxter save Ron's career and his relationship. The end. Well, not the end, because it was Anchorman 2, but we're not going to talk about that. First of all, Yosra, Hannah, can we share a moment of horror that Anchorman is nearly 20 years old? Yeah, we had this. We watched The Good Girl this week. I just thought, how can it be 20? Because I was maybe only 30 when that came out. And then, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't watched this since I first watched it, which was probably around only a year or two after it came out. And that just doesn't feel like that long ago to me. Mm-hmm. So that was going to be my next question. Have you both seen it before? Yeah. Yes. How many times? Maybe two or three. This is the second time I've seen it. Now, Yosra, I, I, I don't wish to embarrass you or take you back to a point of mortification, but you were clear that this isn't an actual documentary, right? Because I know this is Spinal Tap confused you. <laughs> I think it's a lot clearer in this one and I was very aware that this is not a documentary. I didn't have one of my This Is Spinal Tap faux pas. I'm sure you're all really pleased to hear that. I love that. I love it so much. (laughs) I realise I am very candid about the fact that I love silly. I really love silly. It just makes me giggle. I wondered what you thought the hit-to-miss ratio was with Anchorman, because I know neither of you are as keen on the silly as I am. I do wonder how much I am now influenced, having watched it in kind of modern, contemporary times, rather than when I first watched it, which must have been, yeah, a good 17, 18 years ago, because I think the hit-to-miss ratio is slightly 
more towards the miss this time than when I first watched it. But having said that, of the kind of Judd Apatow world of films, I still think the hits are much more in this film and there are still moments within this film where I'm laughing out loud. So I don't know. Can I say 50-50? Yeah, Something you, like that. You can yeah. say whatever ratio you want. That's that's cool. I think it's around 50-50. I'll take 50-50. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that for now. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting about this is there are huge chunks of it that don't really work for me or don't really do much for me but the bits that do work for me are really really good and really funny and so yeah I'd say it's probably in time frame 20 maybe 75 25 but in terms of how much the bits that in that 25 make me laugh that probably seems a bit unrealistic because I do find Will Ferrell to be really over the top however when Baxter dies, it really fucking works because I would be like that if somebody <laughs> punted my pet. So it does really work in it. So so it's Will Ferrell's over the topness, just really laser pointed in a situation that works for me. Whereas if that had been about something else, I'd have been like, oh God, he's doing this again. He's going full Will Ferrell again. And I do absolutely adore Steve Carell just in yeah, general to everything that he does. In fact, the first time I watched it, I've said this before, there's probably about, I don't know, three or four things that are in a film that have made me laugh so much that it's become a problem for those people around me because they're like, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to watch this film. And one of them is when Steve Carell just says, I've stabbed a man in the heart. <laughs> it just really, really, really makes me laugh because he's perfect in this. I would agree. I love Steve Carell in this. He's pro- in terms of laughs, he's probably my favourite character. But I also got to give shout out to Fred Willard, who just has some throwaway lines that I have to. The phone conversation with the nun, for example, <laughs> so silly, but I have a really good laugh at that. Oh, I'm glad I don't have to fight either of you about the fact that Brick is by far the best character. And I totally agree with you, Hannah. Like, obviously, Ferrell is over the top and is over the topness totally. But even though he's surrounded by incredible comic talent, I don't think any of the others could have done I'm in a glass case of emotion in the same way that he mm. d- It's just Will Ferrell having some sort of breakdown in a phone box is just hilarious. Yeah. Why did I pick milk? Yeah. Milk was a bad choice. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. See, I haven't seen it enough that I could quote it, but I know what part of the film I'm referring to. You yeah. cue me up and I'll I'll do the rest. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, lads. I've got incredible cramp in my left leg. So let me just stick that out <laughs> over there. Ooh, that's, uh, that's painful. Anyway. Ouch. As well as being silly, I think it's really sweet. I think it's got quite a big heart. Am I deluded? No, I don't think so. I think there is some heart there. And I I think a lot of it, I mean, you've got the kind of laugh out loud silly characters, but then actually when you've got Christina Applegate, character Veronica, she's kind of like the stable core of this film. And a lot of those kind of moments that I totally forgot about, because when I remember this film, I just think, oh, it's so stupid. It's such a stupid film. And actually watching it again, I got two things out of it. I got that it, it has this heart, but actually... And this is, sorry, I'm going on to another point, but as a satire, it's really funny in terms of just these egotistical newsreaders probably just being how egotistical newsreaders were in that, at that time. Mm. So there's actually more I got out of it watching this film now than I probably did the first time I watched it. Or maybe that was just my memories just being a little bit, um, a little bit skewed. 
Yeah, I agree. And also, when Veronica Corningstone does her thing, there's actually a moment where all the other women in the studio are like really sort of like pleased for themselves. And there's a sense of like female solidarity within the studio when it happens, which is quite a nice touch. So, yeah, it does have heart. I mean, anything about someone who's just desperately obsessed by their pet above all else has heart, obviously, (laughs) doesn't it? Having said that about Veronica, though, she does give as good as she gets in terms of some of the quips she has at Will Ferrell's character. She is she is still funny in her own in her own right. So I don't I, I don't think, you know, she's just the heart. She has as much funny one liners as some of the other characters do. Totally. And I think as well as the characters being very chauvinistic and misogynist and very of their time in the 1970s, they are likable. Yes. Um. For the most part, I'm not sure Paul Rudd's <laughs> likable, to be honest. In this. What's the other character's name? Champ. Yeah, I don't think Champ's very likable of all of them either, but the rest, the rest are. Yeah, I think probably Ron and Brick are the likable characters. Champ and Brian, very resistant to change, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Just to say, it's interesting because we were actually talking about this the other day as well. I have seen a couple of the, that episode of that thing that Jennifer Aniston did that's on Apple, which is called The Morning Show. And obviously, I really liked The Newsroom, which is the Australian one. Isn't it called The Newsreader? It's called The Newsreader. You, you are correct, yeah. And all of those things tend to go with the same formula, which is the anchor has a massive ego and the lead reporter is actually much worse than he thinks he is and the weatherman is well actually quite a lot of them don't have a weatherman but you know certainly that the sports guy is stupid and this is actually something that weirdly and I'm not going to say sports reports are stupid because I know a few of them and they're not but they have a hang-up that everybody else in the office thinks they're stupid that is actually true so in a way, actually, it's spread of personalities into those types. Is that fairly accurate as someone who's worked in the media, I would say? You've beat me to it. One of my questions, Hannah, as both a former local news reporter and a big fan of accuracy, <laughs> how does that yeah. do? Well, I mean, obviously, in the terms of the amount of, you know, that this is set in the 70s, and the budgets in the 70s for stuff like this was huge. You could send, like, an entire team out to report on one tiny story and... There was a lot of not really doing much and sitting around that went on and a lot of drinking at work and all of that stuff that went on in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, I would say that's fairly accurate. But yes, in a kind of spread of personalities and office dynamics, particularly across news and sport, I thought, yeah, that's it's it's actually fairly accurate, I would say. I really love the, the nibs as well. So like the water skiing squirrel. That kind of stuff that would end the news is is totally what I remember from being a kid and watching the news, particularly as I grew up where Granada reports were shown and we'd quite often end the news with Frank Sidebottom. So that was what I just thought happened. If you've ever seen Michael Whitbond's brilliant 24-hour party, obviously Tony Wilson Uh did used to, as well as everything he used to do, he did used to report on Granada news and he does a number of hilarious, really, really funny reports back to the studio one where he's hand gliding one where he's interviewing a man who's 100 but isn't 100 turns out to be about 98 there is a lot of darkness in local news yeah also just going back to what you said about the newsreader i remember when we were watching that for outside the box and just because it's very very good it totally reminded me of anchorman and it it almost felt like 
because I'm such a big Anchorman fan, it felt like it wouldn't have existed without Anchorman. But of course, it's more because Anchorman is very reflective of how things were in the 1970s. Um, so yeah, I do think it's got some accuracy there. Obviously, they've taken some liberties as well. Let's talk about the female character, because there is only one female character. And we have we have already sort of covered how well Christina Applegate holds her own. But I think Veronica is a really good, strong female character. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it, it goes back to what, you know, I was, we were saying earlier, in just terms of how much she she's up against it in that newsroom and she just gives as good as she's getting. And um, she's the character that obviously, for obvious reasons, probably I most empathise with. I think she's quite well written. Again, something I totally forgot from when I first watched it. So considering everything else in the film, I think I think Veronica's actually a really great character. Yeah, I'd agree. She really reminds me. In this, I look at this and just think, Christina Applegate is so like January Jones in this. It's, it's really uncanny. They look really similar. The sort of presentation style is really similar. The cadence is really similar. That's not an answer to a question. It's just something that I was going to say. And she she wears some absolutely phenomenal clothes for that as well. She looks just so, you know, swish and 70s. Yeah. Shout out to the costuming and the production design in general, because it really adds to the film. I mean, I I, I wasn't alive in the 70s, so I don't, you know, I can't say, oh, it was super All right, yours, right? But I didn't mean to, that, that wasn't a flex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, but, yeah, I just... Um, I don't know, it was something I thought when I was watching it, really, really admired it. I, I've written down who's your favourite character and why, but are we all in agreement it's Brick? brick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's Brick. Yeah. Oh, it's because he's the funniest character, but also because he's played by Supergirl. So, yeah. you know, two I'm wins totally there. Do you think he'd have been as funny if it was James Spader? Uh, no, obviously no, not. So. No, but he may have been, you know, very funny as if that was Paul Rudd. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Someone could have... There are other people I could think of that aren't James Vega that might have made him very funny, but not as funny, just because Steve Grills is just fantastic. Like, just fantastic. No, It's really rare for people to be as good as at comedy as they are at drama, and he is equally good at, yeah. at both. Mm-hmm. It is the role that kind of made him big and go on to be in huger things. So, you know, you were on a office? little bit of thanks. <laughs> the Office was after. The Office started around 2005, oh, I think. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was trying to work it out in my head while I was watching it. If it was, And it is pre-The Office. So I think they did. this was the role that kind of made him. Yeah, totally. And, and rightly so. Mm. I know it's another Mickey pick. It's, it's not a very deep film. There's not loads to talk about, to be honest with you. <laughs> it is just something that totally cheers me up. And that's why it's become my go-to film when I want cheering up. It's absolutely in that section in my brain of like, okay, what is guaranteed to make me giggle, even though I've seen it a million times before. So I wondered, what is your go-to film when you're feeling that way or go-to TV series? Do you want a list? I have yeah. <laughs> the, t- the TV in particular, I would say, on the same kind of vein. So I would say The Office US is up there. Parks and Recreation, Community and Veep are probably my standout TV shows that always cheer me up if I'm not feeling great. For films, 
I would probably say it would have to be a musical, something like Hairspray, which you're probably <laughs> going to roll your eyes at, but I love that film and it always cheers me up. Yasra, if you can sit through me telling you why I like Airplane still, then I am going to allow you as many musicals as you want. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah? I like all of those things that Yasra mentioned in the TV section and that I'd probably add 30 Rock as well because it's also brilliant. What do I watch when I want cheering up as a film? I don't know, actually. When I want cheering up, I tend to put music on. But yeah, probably films that we've mentioned in here. I mean, I really, really, really love The Station Agent. I just think it makes me mm. just really happy inside to watch. We talked about that. I think that might have been our first ever flicking that we did, maybe. Um, yeah, I think it was a while ago, yeah. Our first ever flicking that was our favourite film was, I believe, Kindergarten Cop. Oh, kindergarten and very Cop, much yeah, Jen's Jesus. pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely (laughs) i can't really tell whether you guys like it or not would you watch it again oh i'd absolutely watch it again yeah i don't know that my brain would say hey watch anchorman but if i was at your house and you said shall we watch anchorman or if i was flicking through the channels and it was on then yes i would watch i think i'm the same i'm not sure i would actively choose it myself but if my friends or somebody wanted to put it on, I'd absolutely just enjoy watching it. It's, it is a really nice, easy watch. Okay, good. Yeah, agreed. And actually, everything that I said about Will Ferrell, in many ways, is quite low-key. Will Ferrell, I mean, uh, to me, the thing, the thing that really strikes me with him is, like, so many people in my life, like my auntie Jackie, absolutely obsessed with, with more cowbell. I don't get it. What? I really, really don't get it. I mean, <laughs> oh I am... God. I would rather watch, you know, What's Up With That or yeah, just those, basically every yeah. time than watch more cowbell, <laughs> every time. I think I'm with Hannah there, sorry. I, lo- I mean, I love that as well, but I think there's there's room for both guys. You don't have to choose. But more cowbell <laughs> is just so funny. I've got the best of Will Ferrell, a Saturday Night Live DVD, and it's joyous. But even within the best of, there are still ones that I'm like, eh. But, you know, when he when he hits, I think... I mean, he will ferals like no one else. <laughs> yeah. I think my uh, the ratio of 50-50 was probably accurate for how you both felt about this film and my, my pick in it. So, you know, we'll settle yeah. with that. That's fine. I'm having yours <laughs> was 50-50 over Hannah's 75-25. 75, 75, really funny 25, though. Yeah, oh, no, that's what I think, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yours was changing her mind. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> It is Yosra's pick next time. Yosra, what we're watching? I am going to go for, because it's the beginning of the year, I will go for my favourite film of 2022. Okay. Um, And I'm going to pick everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay, I've heard good things, but not seen it. So that's exciting. Having said that, I am a bit worried. It's very colourful and in your face. So Hannah, I don't want to make you feel ill. (laughs) (laughs) Is it in 3D, Yosra? It's not in 3D, but but there's a lot going on on screen. So if I need to rethink, Hannah, I'll I'll think of another one. It's just I panicked. As long as it isn't red and blue next to each other permanently, (laughs) making my eyes do that, I think we'll be fine. Standard Issue for all women.